welcome along to this week's episode where we have some fantastic news. We're very excited here at Soundtracking that we've teamed up with EE, the headline sponsor of the EE British Academy Film Awards, to create a series of special podcasts over the next few months. Now, in that time, we will explore the minds and experiences of BAFTA talent, both old and new. And we start the partnership this week with past EE Rising Star Award winner, Will Poulter. For one so young, Will has already built up one hell of a CV, having made his breakthrough in Son of Ramble back in 2007. The 24-year-old has since had significant roles in Maze Runner, We're the Millers, War Machine and The Revenant. His most recent outing was in Detroit, in which he plays a racist and sadistic police officer involved in a shocking case of brutality during the city's 1967 race riots. It's a performance of stunning depth and maturity and one that may yet see him nominated for an Oscar. All of these films are interesting from a musical perspective too, from the 80s Rambo soundtrack to Nick Cave, Warren Ellis' vehicle War Machine and The Revenant, which was scored by Ryuchi Sakamoto, Alva Noto and Bryce Desner from The National. And it's John Pisano's theme from Maze Runner you can hear playing now. I'm Edith Bowman and you're listening to Soundtracking, the podcast about the sound of the silver screen. Will's performance in Detroit really needs to be seen to be believed. Directed by Catherine Bigelow, the narrative is based on the true events surrounding the Algiers Motel incident in which three black teenagers were beaten and killed, with nine others subjected to torture and humiliation. The music of Motown is a powerful presence in the film, not least because one of the surviving victims, Larry Reed, was a member of the Dramatics at the time. The score, meanwhile, is a tense, angular affair provided by the ever-reliable James Newton Howard. Will Poulter, welcome to Soundtracking. Oh, thank you. What was really nice about uh, seeing John Boyega yesterday was as soon as I mentioned your name, his face just lit up. Oh, um, and do you nice. know what? We're very lucky, I think, in this country with the talent, especially on your guys' kind of age group of kind of coming through and what you're achieving. And I think Detroit is a great film and a great showcase for how good you all are. I can't imagine it was an easy film to make, or maybe it was, but it's so intense. Mm. And your character, he's not the nicest individual. No. But getting in at that frame of mind, I imagine, is... Well, tell me, how is it? How is it getting mm. into that that kind of mindset for a character? You know, first of all, I felt really proud to be part of that ensemble. It's kind of the best ensemble I think I've been lucky to work with, and that's with no disrespect to any other cast that I've been a member of. But I was just so genuinely knocked back by just how brilliant everybody was on that film and how brave actually everyone was. Mm. You know, you often hear like the cliched thing about actors being brave and actors being generous with each other. And, oh, they were such a brave performance. And oh, they were so generous. And, and it's like, you know, I think sometimes that can get banded about a little too lightly, potentially. Yeah. And it couldn't have actually been more of the case with Detroit. It mm. did require exceptional bravery, particularly for from the African-American actors who were recipients of an exceptional amount of abuse in this film. And the two women who were harassed and abused in the sort of Algiers Motel incident, which kind of, you know, is the sort yeah. of the core of our movie. I assume this is about what went on at the motel. What happened at the motel? 
You don't know, I tell you. I was working security by Wisconsin. And on Tuesday night, we heard gunfire coming from the area near the Algiers. Police was there. There was a lot of shooting. When I went in there, three kids had been killed. No. So they were killed right before you got there. I'm always hesitant to talk too much about how difficult I found it just because by comparison, I'm sure it was nothing. I was ultimately the conductor of the violence in a lot of cases and together with Ben O'Toole and Jack Rayner, you know, we were the sort of orchestrators of the, of the pain. And yeah. so whatever difficulty we were facing must have just paled in comparison to what the victims were, were going through. And, and I think as actors, we were all aware of the fact that however emotionally trying it was for us, we were ultimately telling a real story. Mm. So we were very aware that we were representing real people and real people's experiences. And, and that really, I think, motivates you to just sort of tough it up and get over whatever difficulties you're facing. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's, it's so much bigger than all of us. Yeah. You know? and, and it really did feel like more than just a, a movie. And, and that's, that, I think, is just very true of a lot of Catherine's work. Here in Detroit, a city of war, violence continues. We've made state police and national guardsmen available. I'm declaring a public state of emergency. It's a war zone out there. They're destroying the city. Police! I'm just going to assume you're all criminals. You don't talk about this to anyone ever. You understand? This city has I'm trying to help here. Change is coming. We're gonna kill this man. Change is coming. I need you to survive the night. Survive the night. It feels so relevant. It feels so important to remind people of these events that happened. Right. Um, because there's so much resonance to, to parts of the world now and what's going on now that mm. it feels so important to kind of go, look, this is so long ago, but it's still happening. Mm. Uh, and to kind of continue that kind of conversation. Yeah, you know, that's also another experience that, you know, has really shaped the way I kind of look at the world. And I, I received a kind of free education with Detroit. And yeah. that I think is part and parcel of being in the Catherine Bigelow School of Acting, you know. And it's all set against the backdrop of Motown with one of the main characters, Larry, an original member of the Dramatics. Exactly, yeah. Alright, fellas, come on, come on, let's get this together, you ready? Let's go. Get these steps together. Hold on, let me get that note one more time.
wonderful to watch you as a, I mean, I think the first time we spoke was for Sonny Rambo, wow. which was like just a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's a couple of years ago. It's not for a number on it. Yeah. It's only Earth years. Well, <laughs> it's all the same thing. Um, what do you think about um, when I mention Sonny Rambo? What's the first thing that pops in your head? Oh my gosh. Um, I was so lucky that that was kind of my first experience, you know? Great film. I rewatched it recently and it's bloody oh, brilliant. Thanks. It's a funny little thing, and I'm so lucky that my introduction into the film world, which can be, you know, at times a pretty scary, hostile environment, it can also be a wonderful, creative, and fun place. I was just lucky that Son of Rambo was all of the latter and more, and Garth Jennings, the director, and Nick Goldsmith, the producer. They sort of parented me and Bill through the experience, you know, and yeah. it was like, it's kind of like we went on a summer holiday. Cool and like, Big Brothers type Yeah, of exactly. Yeah, or yeah, or Big Brothers. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I, I just have this image in my head that they would be kind of going, oh, guys, have you heard this? And they'd play you music totally. on set and all that kind of stuff. Was it like that? Totally. And the <laughs> 80s is so rich, you know. Close to me by The Cure, for example. What a great record. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, me and Bill got to listen to a bunch of 80s music, interact with a bunch of sort of 80s toys and, and <laughs> clothing. and they were constantly reminding me throughout my childhood that I was born in the inferior era and you know like you know when it came to music you know I'd be saying like oh have you heard this and the other and they'd be like yeah but it's not Biggie and it's not Tupac and you know um, you know or they'd be telling me that whatever films I was into in the early 90s weren't as good as what they were watching in the early 80s and it was just a constant thing but I was very lucky that Son of Rambo provided me a bit of a kind of transportative you know experience yeah. I found that I kind of got an opportunity to experience the 80s to some degree yeah. at least for eight weeks yeah. um, and, and that was that was super fun But I heard that Stand By Me is one of your favourite films. Yes, it is, yeah, That's massively. That's a great choice for a favourite film. What do you love about it? For me, it's sort of the original coming-of-age story, for me at least. You know, it's like just amazing to see these group of kids wrestling with all their kind of insecurities, you know, in the context of a, a group of boys, which is such a complex dynamic. When the night has come and the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see 
being out in the open free health and safety is fully out the window as it seemed to be in that time and um, you know exploring and despite fronts and being slightly afraid to show who they really are they eventually do and something really beautiful about the the brotherhood that, yeah. that they have and that camaraderie and it's just so fun watching that I think you know everyone can remember the sort of carefree time you spent you know with the people you grew up and yeah. You don't necessarily get into kind of the hot water that they did, but yeah. just that fearless sense of adventure as well. Yeah, which lost think, childhoods. Yeah. Which I, I kind of feel like almost like kids don't have now. I guess it depends where you live, but... Right. But that, I, I mean, I remember kind of being a kid and you'd kind of... Summer holidays, you'd leave the house at breakfast and then you'd go, I'll see you yeah. at tea time, and then that would be it. Yeah, like, that's like, it. And, and I love films that kind of remind the world of those times sort of thing which Stand By Me definitely does. It also has a great soundtrack. Amazing oh soundtrack. Oh my god, incredible soundtrack. Amazing. Do you use music at all? when you're preparing for, for roles, for characters and mm. things, because I've spoken to some people who create playlists for their characters or there'll mm. be specific tracks that will kind of get them in the frame of mind and stuff. Mm. Do you use music at all like that in any way? Yeah, massively, particularly for kind of emotional scenes. I find like certain things will set me off and remind me of previous experiences and help me get to a certain place. Definitely, I did a thing called The Little Stranger recently with... Um, Lenny Abramson. Yeah, yeah. I was on the last day of shoot with uh, Donald, yeah. Oh, really? It went down, yeah, it was um, amazing. Oh, yeah. cool, I mean, yeah. he's just... Well, I you've mean, worked a few times with him. Yeah, yeah, he's actually, and you know, talking about sort of big brother figures, I mean, that is definitely someone I, I view in that light. I can't say enough good things about Donald. And he's got a cool dad. I mean, and he's got like, a cool, on, and cool brothers. Yeah, this is like a whole family. Already. Yeah, no, it is. He's giving it a rest. <laughs> Overachiever. Uh, yeah, like, in a big way. I just saw his bro and Logan lucky. I was like, jeez, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. guys are just killing it. Sorry, um, but yeah, you were saying about Little Stranger. Yeah, no, sorry, yeah, so I use little, you know, I use music quite a lot in the stranger and what it's kind of stuff? well it's funny so it's a period film set in uh, 1939 I believe and I didn't actually listen to any music of that era but I have this one playlist on my phone that I only really go to for like quite emotional stuff and it's it's like some really strange choices on there that don't even necessarily relate to specific characters but they just get me in a certain emotional place There's some Tracy Chapman on there. Oh, wow. So much of Tracy Chapman's stuff is sort of cathartic. Yeah. And somber and heartbreaking, fast car and things like that. Yeah. Make me weep. Um, <laughs> do you know this? Thinking about it makes me right. emotional. Right, yeah. You get a fast car. I want a ticket to anywhere. Maybe we make a deal. Maybe together we can get somewhere. Any place is better. 
Starting from zero, got nothing to lose. Maybe we'll make something. Me, myself, I got nothing to prove. So I remember when we were driving, driving in your car. Speed so fast, I felt like I was drunk. City lights stay out before. And your arm felt nice, wrapped around my shoulder. And I, I had a feeling that I belonged. I'm trying to think what else. Um, you know what? Just complete, honestly. Toto, Africa. Oh, that tune absolutely gets. Do, I don't do, know. I mean, <laughs> that tune really gets me, and I think that's because my mum was born and raised in Kenya, and. My dad is from Doncaster, so I had this blend of like really interesting music that my mum would listen to in Kenya growing up with my dad's kind of more traditional old school rock and roll, yeah. you know, north of England kind of yeah. school of rock sort of yeah. influence. Um, and then my dad also lived in Jamaica, so there was a lot of reggae in the house as well. Wow, what a great mix. Yeah, really amazing mix of, of stuff. and. Anyway, Toto Africa is one of those things that my mum and dad like could always agree on, and it was that song that they both loved. And I do remember one New Year's watching. Uh, this is getting super cheesy, but watching the watching the sun come up with my dad and Toto Africa playing, and we just had a few too many drinks. I think we just had a good old cry. Oh man! So, I'm not surprised you've got that on your so, emotional. Playlist. So that's one of my emotional playlist, yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> I love the idea of you on your phone, you have like, like almost the place are, are, are headlined with emotions like uh, weepy. Yeah, 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 right, exactly. Yeah. You too many and weepy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, Here's a random fact for you, you probably knew this, but John Williams' son was in Toto. I didn't know that. There you go. No, oh, okay. Here's a little fact for you for a pub quiz at some point. There we go, there yeah. We go. Or I'll bust out Christmas Day on the, there we at go. the table Did you when know? Toto gets played. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas I'll day. turn it down, I'll jump in with that like DJ start and then I'll turn it back up. My family will look at me like I'm mental. If I had been on the set of Revenant, hmm. um, I definitely would have used music. You'd be cold dressed like that. I'd be very yeah, cold. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I am wearing clothes by the Yeah, let the record yeah. reflect that yeah. he's wearing clothes. Yeah. But I would I think I would have definitely needed music as a kind of companion mm. or an escape or, or for warmth. Mm, yeah. I mean, what, what that? I mean, that film is incredible, and yeah. uh, I was lucky enough that I got to chat to you guys as ensembles a few times. Yeah. Were you there that time where the fire alarm went off at the Soho Hotel and the security yes. when the security, security guard yes. shut as I just got on stage <laughs> because of Leo's vape? 
<laughs> yeah, setting so off the fire alarm. That's what it was, wasn't it? And then it threw me, and I got or the direct. To, to, or Tom's. There was a lot of vaping. There was a going lot of vaping in Tom's, and then I, it, because of that, it threw me, and I got the director's name so wrong oh, that I don't it was so embarrassing. But he was very gracious about it as well. I don't remember you doing that, but I do remember you getting <laughs> swallowed by a curtain. <laughs> by a pink, I do. Yeah. By a pink fire curtain. <laughs> but um. But what are your memories of, of that experience of, of making that film and stuff? Because I, I imagine it was like nothing mm. else that you've you've done yet um, mm. or done before. But you see that on screen. You, you right, know, it's, right. It's such a powerful, powerful film and performances yeah. within that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, and I'm like resorting to my kind of GCSE media knowledge here. But it's the first time that I've actually shot to music. So use like non-diegetic sound I yeah. guess is that the yeah. term like I mean I've shot to music when it comes to like sort of party scenes or yeah, yeah, you yeah. know when music's incorporated yeah. but but like actually kind of shooting to the music that would be you know the, the yes, music that the would score. be later added exactly yeah and shoot to the score that happened on maybe kind of maybe two or three occasions on the shoot Ryuchi Sakamoto did the score didn't he yeah brilliant opening to the battle sequence that comes pretty early on in the mm. film to music there was this really kind of haunting I think it was just I think it was just some piano and maybe a, strings were kind of used yeah. pretty sparingly but like just really haunting piano chords just like really infrequently and complete silence in this woods while we're trying to scope out where the danger's coming from and it really did add a sense of tension and it was amazing and it was played through speakers that I never actually identified. Could have just been a figment of my imagination. I could have been hallucinating <laughs> through cold. But um, yeah. You heard this music come from yeah, somewhere. That's stage one of hypothermia. <laughs> stage two. Um, so yeah, but it was it was amazing and, and Alejandro, the director, he's all about I think trying to capture the most kind of realistic you know experience possible and you could argue that by playing the score to the actors is is not you know the best way to do that but it it worked for that moment yeah and then that battle sequence i think ended up taking sort of two weeks to to shoot actually the entire thing it runs for several minutes and goes yeah. in and out of water and includes so much crazy action but that that opening was shot with with music and wow. um once it all kicks off we we couldn't hear the music anymore but it was very helpful for the opening just to build tension and yeah and feel it feel a sense of, of genuine threat i think it's the john adams piece become ocean in that scene incredible i think so yeah i think so wow that's amazing 
wonderful collection of directors that you've worked with, Catherine Bigelow and David Michaud, actually, who we had on the show, um, talked oh, about cool. War Machine, which I, I thought was fantastic. Oh, what a nice bloke he is as well. He's amazing. Oh, he's great. I Did you have a great experience with him as well? So, you know, I think it's no secret, and David would say this himself, like, War Machine was a polarizing film. I think, at the risk of oversimplifying the reaction to the movie, you kind of either loved it or hated it. And I love the fact that it wasn't easily definable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You couldn't box it. But what I really admired about it was the fact that it was brave enough to make a comment on the on the war in a way that I hadn't seen any other film do exactly. previously. And I love that. It, it went a long way to kind of demystifying the intentions of both America and Great Britain and, and our allies in uh, Afghanistan and mm-hmm. Iraq. And it was very informational as well yeah. you know it was a kind of piece of infotainment which i really appreciated and the experience of playing a marine although the film i think you could argue is largely critical of 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 just war in general and and the political impetus for that particular yeah. war you know i have the utmost respect for service and walked away with i mean just so much admiration for what servicemen and women do and the experience of playing a marine and going through the boot camp with those 11 guys, the third platoon, who I'm still on a WhatsApp group with, and we're all oh, very close. Wow. Yeah, was life-changing. Because in that short period of time, I learned a sense of sort of responsibility that kind of changed me forever, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it kind of made me realize that, and look, I'm an actor, so I'm never going to amount to what a, a serviceman or woman does in, in their career, but I just mean, like, the principles of being responsible, being organized, respect yeah. and always being diligent and maintaining a positive attitude in the, in the kind of toughest of times all of those you know things were just so valuable and yeah you know we experienced a drop in the ocean i mean a percentile of a drop in the ocean of what a, an actual u.s marine will experience in their training but it was it was really uh, really character building for all of us I loved the experience of working with David. He's phenomenal, such a smart dude as yeah. well. He, like Lenny Abramson, those guys are just so intelligent. We're so lucky in the film industry that they've chosen to make movies because yeah. I feel like they could be doing anything. I feel like they're the sort of guys who could be, you know, I, I wish in a way would, would run for office. You know, they're, <laughs> yeah, totally. They're so smart. Gives us an excuse to play some of the score from Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, which is just brilliant. What's also love is Wild Bill, which I loved with Dexter Fletcher's. Oh, that was Dexter's you. first film, wasn't it, as director? That was Dexter's yeah. directorial debut, yeah. And, you know, he's gone on to wonderful Sunshine on Leith, which was amazing. Eddie the Eagle, hilarious. Of course. And he's just taken over directing the Queen film. Yes. 
Yes! Hugely exciting, I know. Which I think should have just happened in the first place, personally. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm really excited for him. What's next for you, then? We've got The Little Stranger. When's that yeah, going to be next year? That's going to be um, August uh, 31st is when that comes out, I believe. Fab. Yeah, um, which is exciting. Um, so I finished that kind of a few months ago. Well, it was an absolute pleasure to chat Thank to you. you and, um, I wish you the merriest of Christmases. Appreciate it, yeah, you and, too. Uh, and enjoy Toto on Christmas Day. Thank you. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, thanks for. Also, thanks for I can't think, I can't hear waterfalls without thinking of you. Oh, I'm Just, sorry. No, don't. I'm it's lovely sorry. to think of you. So. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, Merry Christmas, my dear. Mm. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thanks for having me. Woo! We did it. Nicely uh, done, Millers. Give it up. Very good job. Here you go. Rose. Yeah. David. There you go. We are all officially international drug smugglers. Add it to the resume. <laughs> How about a little victory music, huh? Oh, no, no, no. Don't change it. I love this song. Me too. What? I didn't even like this song when it was popular. Come on, loosen up, David. A rainbow yesterday, but too many storms have come and gone, leaving a trace of not one God given rain. Is it because my life in ten shades of gray? I pray all ten fade away, seldom praising for the sunny day. You claim the insane, a nameless place in top of fall and pray to crime. I swear the system got you victim to your own mind. Dreams are hopeless aspirations in hopes of coming true. Believe in yourself, the rest is up to me. And don't go chasing waterfalls. From We're the Millers, that's Will Poulter singing Waterfalls by TLC, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the fantastic young British actor. My huge thanks to Will for taking the time to talk to us. Detroit is available on home entertainment formats now and makes for thrilling, if challenging, viewing. You can find a Spotify playlist for this show via edithbowman.com, which is also the place to subscribe to the podcast and catch up with all of our previous episodes. You can, for instance, find out much more about Nick Cave and Warren Ellis' score for War Machine during the interview with director David Michaud. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And do spread the word if you like what you hear. Soundtracking with Edith Bowman in partnership with the EE BAFTAs. Find out more information at ee.co.uk forward slash BAFTA. We're taking a break for Christmas, but we will be back in the new year on the 5th of January with Martin McDonough, whose new film Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri has been hotly tipped for Oscar success. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs>